I'm Laura. And I'm Vanessa. And And we're we're a Tap Tap on the Wrist podcast. Every week we bring you a new history story with an alcohol twist. The stories you didn't learn from a textbook. In season one, we focused on dirty conspiracies, exciting adventures, and alcohol-fueled crimes throughout history. And for season two, we're focusing on Al Capone and the Chicago Beer Wars in a weekly conversation. We're so glad you found us. Grab a drink and come along for the ride. Hello. Hi, guys. Welcome to another episode of A Tap on the Wrist, a special episode. A super spooky Halloween edition. (laughs) This week, we are taking a break from Al Capone and the Chicago Beer Wars. We mentioned that at the end. We mentioned that at the end of last week's episode. Um, because it's Halloween. We need, we need to tell spooky stories. Yes. We've decided this will become our tradition. Every year, our Halloween week, we will tell haunted bars and restaurants and hotels. Right. Because we both just really enjoy them. And that's what we want to do. But we are staying in Chicago because this season is about Chicago. We decided we would do haunted bars within the city we're talking about. So that's exciting. And it's just exciting that it's Halloween week. I love Halloween. It's one of my favorite holidays. What are you doing for Halloween? Um, I am going to an outdoor event at your apartment. <laughs> what? <laughs> Laura's going to have an outdoor, socially distant, small gathering for Halloween because it's Saturday and it would be so sad to not do anything well and I almost always throw a Halloween party yes so we are we are doing it safe and socially distant even though it's going to be nice and chilly here in New York City Halloween night yeah hoping that weather changes a little bit sometime Uh, during the week so 2020 wouldn't wouldn't be complete if Halloween didn't fall on a Saturday Yep. That is daylight savings with a full moon. I know. It's like the trifecta. It would be like the perfect Halloween extravaganza night. And it has to be cold outside and socially distant. (laughs) Um, But it's going to be fun anyway. It's going to be fun. We're going to make the most of it with our closest friends. And that's fine. Yeah. It's going to be great. Do you know what you're going to be yet? Um, Well... The theme is zombie prom. Yes. So something in that no in that I vein. I <laughs> have planned the whole party. I know the food I'm serving. I know the drinks I'm serving. I don't know what I'm wearing. So Well, you have a week. I'll figure it out. Um I told Laura, I was like, Laura, look, I can't do zombie makeup. I it's just not I, I'm just not creative enough. I can't. So I'm going to be a character from The Walking Dead. And I'm just going to pretend that I'm killing everyone. <laughs> I'm going to be Negan. So I have, I, I already ordered my bat for anyone who watches The Walking Dead. I have my Lucille. Um, and I'm, I'm going to wear a boutonniere and make it prom. <laughs> I think that you really enjoy carrying weapons. Because yes. like oh, yeah. every Halloween costume always involves like you with a fake weapon. I know. I was Lizzie Borden. Was it last year or the year before? So I had a fake axe. I do like I do like having a fake weapon with me. Yes. So that's our Halloween plans. We hope you guys have 
fun Halloween plans as well. Um, we are going to tell a story uh, about, I, I think there's like six different bars and hotels we're telling this week. Yeah. Uh, so follow along on social media. We will post um, pictures. Probably not of these ghosts, because that's not realistic, but of the places we're discussing. Or maybe. Or maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't looked. Maybe someone has <laughs> caught a ghost at one of these places. Um, but yes, we will post pictures on our social media, and you can find us at a tap on the wrist. For Instagram and Twitter. Yes. And if you want to send us what your plans are for Halloween, or any haunted spooky bars where you live, um, we're gladly accepting emails at tap on the wrist podcast at gmail.com yes and besides halloween and all the spooky fun that we're having this is also the last episode that we're posting before the okay. 2020 elections yes so so if you're listening to this in a different year <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> this is a crucial week um and we just want to encourage every single person who is eligible to vote to please Go out and vote. Have your voice heard. Um, I'm going to say no matter what your party affiliation is, you should urge your use your right to vote. But um, I'm also going to encourage you to vote for Joe Biden. Yes. <laughs> it's my podcast, our podcast, it's our opinion, and we're going to share it. Yeah. So. <laughs> I really hope this episode doesn't age badly. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, that'll, that'll mean sad things, I think, for this country, but... Again, it's our opinion. <laughs> so please go out and vote. Make your plan. If you are absentee voting, I hope you've already mailed it in. If you're early voting. Or dropped it off. Yes. Bring snacks. I hear the lines are crazy in parts yes. of the country. And if you've already voted, make sure you tell all of your friends to vote this week. Yes, it really is important. Every single vote is, as we learned, I think, in the 2016 elections, where people were like, eh, it doesn't matter if I go out and vote. It really did matter. So yes. make sure you exercise that right this year. And again, vote for Joe Biden. Yeah. <laughs> because when podcasters in 20 years are telling the tragic tale of America from 2016 to 2020, we want it to only be those four years. Yes. <laughs> So, on a happier note, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Enjoy our spooky stories this week, and we will next week be back with a Chicago outfit. Yes. Hope that you get to enjoy some kind of socially distant fun Halloween activity like we are. And uh, let's get to these spooky stories. My first spooky Halloween story. Spooky Halloween. Is about a place... Uh, and I'm going to call it the Excalibur nightclub, but I'm going to tell you all the different things it's been, but the majority of its lifespan, it was known as the Excalibur nightclub. Okay. So at the northwest corner of Dearborn and Ontario sits a Romanesque revival style granite building built in 1892 for the Chicago Historical Society. The Historical Society left the building in 1931, and since then the building has served many different purposes over its years. It's been the Works Progress Administration, it's been a recording studio, it's been the headquarters of Gallery Magazine, and then it became the Factory Nightclub, which ironically a lot of money went in to turn the building into a nightclub in uh -huh. 1970, and then it never opened to the public. 
And so oh. then, yeah, it's very strange. The building sat vacant for over 10 years. Mm-hmm. And then it was purchased again. Um, another renovation went in at over $3 million. And it became a nightclub called Limelight. And that opened in 1985. It was open for about four years. And then finally, in 1989, Excalibur takes over the building um, and it opened up a medieval times-esque themed nightclub. Oh <laughs> my god. And for decades, this nightclub ran and was home to many ghost sightings. Did, they, did you have to like eat with your hands? Was it like medieval times? The- <laughs> It wasn't like a show, but the building itself looks very much like a castle. It's got, um, you know, like the cylinders and like cone. I should know the name of those, like turrets. Yeah. um, On the outside, and it's this giant granite stone building. So they went with the whole castle medieval theme. We'll post a picture of that because that sounds cool. Yes. Um, And so some of the things that nightclub employees claim to have seen... Um, most notably is a ghostly woman descending down the stairs. Mm-hmm. Um, they would hear glass shattering in the night without tripping off any motion detectors. There are numerous cold spots being encountered um, in the building where, like, there wasn't air conditioning or, like, drafty windows that would have, you know, been the, the culprit. Um, employees have also noted a lot of ghost interactions, such as wine taps being turned on unexpectedly, boxes of alcohol being stacked like 15 boxes high in the cellar that no human could have stacked that high, Mm -hmm. Uh, and voices being heard like while they're in the stock room and then they turn around and no one is there. So there's like lots of these elements that nightclub employees have encountered. To me it sounds like those ghosts are just trying to have a good time. Yeah, they're just (laughs) hanging out. Um, And it's noted that at some point when there were pool tables in uh, Excalibur, pool balls would move around as though someone were hosting a game. Um, But creepy. Yeah, no one would be playing, actually. Yeah. Uh, There is one section of the nightclub called the Dome Room, and most employees would refuse to even go into this storage area unless they had a partner with them because... It was lots of weird noises and names being called. And it's said that there's an apparition of a small child um, who leans over like a railing. And then when the employee would look back, the child had just disappeared. I want to say I said this last year as well. Children ghosts are the creepiest <laughs> ghosts. I agree. But there is no story to go with this kid. Like, there's no point in its history that really makes sense for a child ghost to be there. Yeah. Um, but that's that's what they see. Uh, and there aren't any specific reasons that the building is haunted, but there are lots of rumors. So I want to go through some of those, like, past potential rumors as to why the building could be haunted okay okay the largest and most widely spread rumor is that the building was used as a temporary morgue during the eastland disaster and i didn't know what that was so i had to do some research on what the eastland like every website just said during the eastland disaster and yeah, i was like, like am i supposed to know <laughs> um 
But what that is, so the SS Eastland was a passenger ship based in Chicago and that was used for tours. Mm-hmm. And on July 24th of 1915, the ship rolled over on its side while it was tied to the dock in the Chicago River. And 844 passengers and crew were killed. Wow. Yeah. It was the largest loss of life from a single shipwreck on the Great Lakes to ever happen. Um, Could how, explain how a child ghost got there, too. Yes. Except that rumor has been, it's completely false. Oh. The Excalibur well. <laughs> building was never the temporary morgue. So people say that's the reason. But historians have proved that the bodies were brought to the Reed Murdoch building um, across the river from the disaster. And then when the Reed Murdoch building became too full, it was actually they were sent to the 2nd Regiment Armory, which was the later site of the Harpo Studios, like where Oprah had her show. So I'm now curious to know if the Oprah Studios are haunted. Yeah. But I didn't find any information on that. So... While many people say the Excalibur Club is haunted because of the Eastland disaster, it's 100% a rumor that was it was never a temporary morgue based in history. Okay. So the second rumor goes that the, um, the ghosts haunt the building because of the Great Fire of 1871. Okay. So this large castle-like building is actually the second building built on this location for the Chicago Historical Society. The original building was built back in 1865, Mm -hmm. and it was said to withstand fire because it was supposed to hold all the valuable artifacts for the city of Chicago. However, it was not fireproof. And so during the fire in 1871, um, it actually was consumed by flames and everything was burnt down. But most people believe the building was fireproof Mm-hmm. And so not only did many city residents have all of their most important valuables held in the Chicago Historical Society, when the fire broke out, many people ran there oh. for protection, thinking that they would be safe inside, and then they were not. So it is believed that some of the ghosts may haunt the space because they died in the fire. That could explain um, a child ghost. Yes. And it's funny because it's they were touted as being fireproof but it's found that the building manager simply just paid extra money for fireproof insurance instead of actually fireproofing the historical society because seems like an odd choice it you know i don't know i guess he thought he was invincible but he was wrong um and so that is the second story the caretaker of the building did survive the great fire Mm -hmm. and he said that as he was jumping out of the second story window before the building went up with flames he was just watching people run into the building thinking they were running into safety when in fact they most likely were running to their death that's really sad yes um and another story or possibility that there are ghosts that haunt the excalibur is that um, an early Chicagoan named John LaLime, uh, he lived very nearby the Chicago River, mm-hmm. and they said that he might haunt this club because in 1803, his property was taken from him by another Chicagoan named John Kinsey, and they 
got into a brawl or a dispute over this land mm-hmm. and John Kinsey actually killed Lalime and buried him in his own backyard. And he sat there for a very, very long time. And then eventually when his house was being like renovated, someone uh-huh. new had bought it, they found his bones in the backyard. Wow. And they took his bones, they brought them to the Chicago Historical Society and the Chicago Historical Society put them on display. And so it said... <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Yes. So it said that he might haunt the building because they chose to kind of desecrate his body and put him yeah. on display. So, again, the Chicago Historical Society left the building in the 1930s, but maybe Lowline stayed behind. Yeah. That's kind of fucked up. Yes. Sadly, however, Excalibur closed in 2012. Uh, A new nightclub (coughs) took over, and um, it was appropriately called The Castle. Okay. Uh, It, too, closed. Okay. (laughs) And now, I believe, in 2020, unless COVID has changed it, it is currently the Asian-themed restaurant and chain nightclub, Tao. Interesting. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, so that is the the story of the Excalibur nightclub and its many ghostly friends. I feel like Medieval Times, the restaurant chain, should take that castle over. A hundred percent. It'd be perfect. It's apparently, from what I've read, when it was Excalibur, uh-huh. it was completely cheesy and over the top and tourists love loved to come there. And it was just like three floors of ridiculous nightclub-y yeah. medieval times-esque decor. Amazing. I I don't know. I feel like the ghosts lend to that. It's <laughs> that theme. It, it helps it out. And I got most of my information about the Excalibur from uh, Chicago Bar Project, which is the shybarproject.com. And then I also found some information on ghostresearch.org. Nice. So, high high quality investigation. (laughs) Okay, the first bar I'm discussing has a history of ritual sacrifices, occult objects, and a gang we're all familiar with. Sounds like my kind of bar. (laughs) So, the Tonic Room is located at 2447 North Halstead Street, and it's currently described as an artist-friendly lounge hosting live bands, comedians, and DJs. It also happens to host some restless spirits. <laughs> but um bum but um Did you uh, write that late last night? I did. <laughs> I did. I wrote that late last night. <laughs> so, as a tie-in to our current season, this bar used to be a popular hang- hangout and a favorite of the Northside gang. Obviously, it wasn't called the Tonic Room back then, but it was a bar, and it also housed a brothel in the upstairs apartments, which I feel like is pretty standard for the 1920s in the areas that we've been discussing, especially where the Northside Gang was in Little Hell. So, at some point after it was a bar, it was believed to have been taken over and utilized by a secret society. Yes. Specifically, the American chapter of the secret society called Golden Dawn, which I had never heard of, so I looked it up. 
Golden Dawn was a secret society, according to Wikipedia, that was devoted to the study and practice of the occult, metaphysics, and paranormal activities during the late 19th and early 20th centuries. They practiced things like astral projection, clairvoyance, exorcism, and alchemy. It's like a, it's like a early times Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, Hogwarts. I couldn't, I forgot the name of Harry <laughs> Potter school. <laughs> Oh my god. Plus exorcism. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's suspected that it actually had some pretty famous members, including Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who's the author of Sherlock Holmes, Bram Stoker, who is the author of Dracula, and that one does not surprise me, <laughs> uh, and poet W.B. Yeats. So proof of the Golden Dawn's usage of the space apparently came when the current owners found Egyptian icon of iconography why can't i say that word iconography painted on the basement ceiling uh, an elderly woman also claims that she witnessed a ritual murder in the tonic room's basement in the 1930s when she accompanied her father to a secret golden dawn meeting which i find fascinating like that's your father daughter activity <laughs> couldn't go watch a ritual murder you couldn't find a babysitter yeah <laughs> Don't, don't worry about that woman being stabbed. Uh, <laughs> so that is apparently the proof that the Golden Dawn worked out of there. Uh, and shortly after the Golden Dawn gave up the property, I guess, it was taken over by a man named Frederick de, de Archanga. No, Frederick de Archaga in January of 1968. He turned it into an occult store, there's going to be a lot of words I don't know how to say, I'm sorry guys, called El Sabaram, sorry if that was wrong, which he said meant of many gods. He considered himself to be a Pontifus Maximus in the Sabian religious order. Uh, he said he was a hereditary witch who got his gift from his mother who had overseen the order. And I did not know much about this religion, obviously, I don't even know how to say it correctly. But uh, he said that it was the old religion and that Christians, Jews, and Muslims merely practice a degenerated version of this old religion. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> so his store sold amulets, herbs, incense, goat hooves, voodoo beads, togas, jet stones that absorbed bad spells, and ceremonial daggers. I feel like we've just walked into the French Quarter of New Orleans. <laughs> For real. Uh, and he referred to the basement, which, of course, was the site of the potential sacrifices that the little girl witnessed, uh, the Temple of the Moon. In 1974, De Archaga left the Sabian Order, changed his name to Orun, uh, and converted to Santeria, which I do know what that is. <laughs> Don't practice Santeria. <laughs> I was wondering what you were going to say. <laughs> Is that uh, all you know about it, though? Is that there's a song? No, no. Okay. As, as a Hispanic woman, I know I've heard much about Santeria uh, and how I should avoid it. And my mother's probably making the sign of the cross right now <laughs> as I say that. Um, so he also started worshipping the god Obatala, who, according to the article I read, is supposed to be the actual creator of human beings. And the reason that we have flaws is because Abatala was drunk on palm wine when he created us. You know what? I don't hate that theory. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
Someone was drunk when they created humans. (laughs) Um, Apparently, though, he started to get harassed, especially after the release of The Exorcist, he claims, uh, with things like dead cats being thrown through his windows. Damn. So he left the space. And now it has become a bar as it was in its origins. So patrons and staff that work at the tonic room have reported seeing many apparitions both in the basement and the main bar and apparently a lot of people notice weird mist in their photos when they take pictures in the bar so if we ever go to the tonic room in chicago we should try it out uh when the new owners took over the space as i noted they began renovations they found those egyptian symbols they also found the remains of a painted on pentagram on the floor and a worn looking dagger from a window well, which I didn't know what that was, but if you Google it and you see an image, you will know what it is. Uh, a dagger or a window well? The window well. I had no idea what that was. Oh, I was like, like, what's a window well? It's like the bottom of the window. It's like if you have like a a window that's like part of a basement, it's like a opening kind of to like allow the window to be there. Okay. I don't know how to describe it. Look it up. Okay. Uh, although some people say that it was found in the basement wall. Either way, They took it out, and they should have probably left it there. So now I'm going to read you a quote by Ray Johnson, who is a retired cop and a haunt detective. Because that's a job. I feel like that's a job on The Bachelor. like Haunt detective? (laughs) Haunt detective. So he relayed the story to the Chicago Tribune. Right after it was removed, dagger, a bouncer went to the basement and suddenly fell paralyzed where the pentagram was. He went down on the ground, couldn't move, couldn't talk. When they took him to the hospital, doctors said there was nothing at all wrong with him. So the dagger has since been added back to the spot because they were like, really don't want to paralyze all of our employees on top of this pentagram. And uh, it has stayed there to this day. They will once in a while take it out to show people. So I'm thinking the window well is correct and not the wall. (laughs) Unless they left a giant hole in the wall. but they do they do show it if you ask nicely so we're asking nicely (laughs) to see the dagger Mm -hmm. yes um and that's really it i couldn't find a lot more about the apparitions that they say haunt the place but apparently it just has a very creepy vibe so my sources were the tonic rooms about section which in turn was pulled from a chicago now article and i was like oh who wrote the article ray johnson the haunt detective wrote that article (laughs) (laughs) And I also used the Chicago Tribune article called Haunted Haunted Chicago, Places You Didn't Know Were Spooked by Mick Swasco. Awesome. My next haunted hotel, it's not a bar, it's a hotel, is the Congress Plaza Hotel. And the iconic Congress Plaza Hotel is considered by many to be one of the most haunted spots in Illinois. So not only Chicago, but in the whole state of Illinois, Mm -hmm. they say. Uh, I'm sure, though, like any of these places could claim that. But yeah. So it is located on South Michigan Avenue. The hotel has been around for more than a century. And it's home to many interesting stories of haunts and spooky tales. The hotel was built during Chicago's World Fair in 1893 it was built for the world fair Mm -hmm. and today it still stands and it's still kind of um as big and 
over the top as it was in the 1890s. Um, it holds most of its original style from the old world lobby to the upscale bar to the narrow marble lined corridors. So marble lined, yes. fancy. Um, and when you research this hotel, I no kidding, there are hundreds of sightings of ghosts and stories. So I picked like eight okay. of them. Um, that I that I thought were either the, the spookiest or the best. Okay, so I'm going to start with, um, I mean, this wouldn't be season two if I didn't mention Al Capone. So the ghost of Al Capone is reported to be seen in the hotel's bar and lobby. Okay. Uh, the the ho- man himself. The man himself. <laughs> the hotel was a known hangout for uh, the, not- the notorious gangster. Uh, and he held many business meetings at the Congress Plaza Hotel. Several of Capone's business associates and friends lived in the hotel throughout the 1920s and 30s, and the corridors underneath the hotel were used for some of his um, smuggling and darker deeds uh, when he was kind of in the game of alcohol smuggling. Okay. Um, it, for years, Al Capone was known to play cards every Friday night in the meeting room that overlooked Grant Park. So I, this was like a second home to him. He yeah. was always at this hotel. Um, and then another fact is that it was from the Congress Hotel that Jake Greasy Thumb, it's another nickname. I feel like I mentioned him in one of my stories. Maybe, but Jake Greasy Thumb Gusick phoned Al Capone. Did. Um, who was in Florida just before and just after the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Mm. So it's like, we're about to do it. We did it. Yeah. <laughs> Those were probably the exact words. But so, yes, he got his name because he used to put his thumb in people's beards as he served them. Yes. But, um, so it is, needless to say, Capone felt very comfortable at the Plaza Hotel, mm-hmm. and so I guess, you know, he wants to spend some of his afterlife at his favorite hangout. I mean, as one does. Yes. They probably cleared a bar stool for him, played his favorite song when he walked in. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> this isn't the Green Mill, watch yourself. Um... So the next, the next tale, while this person is not nearly as notorious as Al Capone, mm-hmm. this is the Congress Hotel's most commonly reported ghost. And okay. his name is Peg Leg Johnny. <laughs> um, he sounds fun. I'm sure we can guess where he got his nickname. Yes. He does have a peg leg, but the true identity of Peg Leg Johnny is a mystery. No one knows who it is. Mm-hmm. Um, sightings of him have been reported in many rooms in the hotel, uh, as well as the lobby, the dining room, and just walking down hallways. Uh, it's believed that Pegleg Johnny was a homeless man who actually lived in the alley behind the hotel, where it's okay. believed he was also murdered. Mm-hmm. And that's why he kind of wanders, um, because reports say like people think they've seen a homeless man. And they're like, oh, no, that's just the ghost of Pegleg Johnny. <laughs> um, good old Pegleg. He is known to be a friendly ghost, and he kind of just turns on and off lights and appliances. But he's, like, the most reported sighting. So I knew he'd be friendly. Yeah. He sounds friendly. Uh, 
Another room in the hotel that I thought had a really interesting uh, story to it. It's called the Florentine Room. Uh, it's a very beautifully, like, over-the-top painted ballroom okay. that is still used for special events at uh, the Congress Hotel. But when it was built for the World Fair, it was the roller skating rink. Uh, for people who are staying at the hotel during the World's Fair. Yeah. And so security guards say that now in like the wee hours of the night as they're making their rounds through the hotel and there's nothing happening in this ballroom, they can often hear like cheerful organ music and um, the sound of like wooden skate wheels against wooden floors. Interesting. Yes. So there's no like interaction. It's just like they can hear it as if they're back in 1893 and it's the world's fair that's fun and creepy i know (laughs) okay this next one um is probably my my favorite ghost story about chicago this is i texted vanessa about this earlier and i was like we need to do a whole episode about this person and there's no way it doesn't fit into this podcast We would have to create a whole nother podcast because we both love true crime. However, at the Congress Hotel, it has been noted that sometimes you can see the ghost of Dr. Henry H. Holmes, or better known as H.H. Holmes. Um, And he, I'm going to get to who he is if you don't know, so just give me a second. It's fascinating. I know. But it's said that he wanders the hallway, most specifically on the sixth floor, looking for women to woo to bring back to his own hotel. Um, it Because of the location of the Congress Hotel, um, and it was just so big and new at the time, they said he often like found women there and mm-hmm. then brought them to his own hotel, which, if you don't know who H.H. H. Holmes is, he is Chicago's first serial killer. I think he might be America's first serial he killer. He might be America's. It, it, what I was reading definitely said Chicago's first serial killer but yes you're right he might be the first um and he has his own legacy of running the murder castle as his hotel is nicknamed Mm -hmm. um so I'm just gonna do a really quick side note of like his hotel because I think it's crazy yeah um the murder castle is a hotel that was disguised with like a labyrinth of narrow winding passages with doors that open to brick walls, hidden stairways, concealed doors, blind hallways, secret panels, hidden passages, and a hidden vault that was only big enough for one person to stand in. It was bananas. Yeah. Um, if you've ever read Devil in the White City, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which is a great book by Eric Larson, it tells, half the book is told as like, from the viewpoint of the World's Fair yep. and everything's happening. And then half the book is told from, like, H.H. H. Holmes being a serial killer. Right. And the terror in Chicago. Which was my first, like, exposure to H.H. H. Holmes. I surprisingly had not heard about him before. And it's it's a great read. Yes. It's wonderful. We actually, Vanessa and I met in the book club where we read that book. Yeah. So it was one of the first books we ever read together. So, yeah. Um, yes. Bring it full circle nine years later. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so basically H.H. Holmes would like trap people in this hotel, eventually getting them into this tiny room I just mentioned, which was said to be a homemade gas chamber. And then it had a chute that would directly carry bodies into the basement where he had a complete like torture murder room. Um, throughout his 
career as a serial killer, he's said to have killed at least 27 women during the 1890s. Um, and just so we know, the murder castle is not where the Plaza Hotel is. Mm. This is like this is like a haunted story within a haunted story. Right. But the murder castle is no longer standing. It is now the site of a post office. <laughs> and um, it's said that that post office is also haunted. Mm-hmm. Um, but H.H. H. Holmes is said to haunt the Congress Hotel. Interesting. So not the post office, the Congress Hotel. Okay, let's get back to the Congress because I have a couple more stories for you. Uh, there is, and this is Vanessa's favorite, a kid ghost that haunts the Congress. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, the ghost of a six-year-old boy has reportedly, for decades, been seen running around the hotel. And his story is said to have taken place during World War One. His mother and her two sons Mm -hmm. checked into the hotel and they were waiting for her husband to arrive and they were going to start their new life in Chicago. But her husband never made it. And in an act of like being completely distraught over the loss of her husband, she threw herself and her sons out of a hotel window. Holy shit. Yes. Um, However, it's reported that one of the bodies never made it to the city morgue. And so they believe that, the little boy that never made it to the morgue is the ghost that's kind of stuck in the Congress because he they never found his body. They never. Well, they found his body, but I don't. I don't know what happened to it. But weird. When like the reports all show that the morgue that it's like a woman and one son, mm-hmm. but all the stories say there were two sons. Weird. And the mother has never been seen in the hotel. Only one kid. Interesting. But sometimes he likes to chase guests down the hallway no (laughs) yes okay i have two more for you about the congress okay um so this next one is not about a ghost in particular but about a room okay uh room 441 is responsible for more calls to security in the front desk than those staying in any other room at the hotel so that's where we're going to stay when we go to Chicago. Okay. Um, people who stay in room 441 report seeing a dark figure of a woman who kicks them awake. That's rude. Yes. Um, they also say that objects move around and they hear terrifying noises. No one has ever been, like, harmed. I feel like last year we had a story where it was, like, someone attacked them. Mm-hmm. I guess this ghost just kicks them away because they're sleeping in her bed and because they're rude and they're rude. <laughs> um but it is the room that is not the most haunted so i'm about to tell you about the most haunted but it's the, the most haunted that you can stay in okay <laughs> so the last thing i'm gonna tell there's you there's a room that you can't even stay in. yes oh my god <laughs> <laughs> um the last room that i'm gonna tell you uh it is. It leaves a lot of speculation, um, and it is said to be the room that inspired Stephen King to write the story 1408. I love 1408. So 1408 is about a hotel room that is notorious for causing suicides. Yeah. Um, so they say that the real-life 1408 uh, exists in the Congress Hotel on the most haunted floor, which is actually the 12th floor of the North Tower. Um, but then during my research, other people say it's not on the 12th floor. 
and there's like a little bit of confliction over which room is actually said to have been the one that inspires this story. Mm-hmm. However, it is noted that there is a room that is not only closed and like not rented out, mm-hmm. but it has been completely drywalled over. You can't even see the oh door. Oh my god. And in my most legitimate source that uh-huh. I could find the most information on it, um, it said, believe it or not, that the room number would actually be room 666. Interesting. Yes. Um, and See, s- in the movie and the, sh- and the story that Stephen King wrote, it was 14 because 148 all adds up to... 13 and it was mm-hmm. on the 14th floor which was really the 13th floor oh, clever anyway yes. continue uh, man it's a Taylor Swift stand right there love <laughs> 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 the number 13 <laughs> um, okay so back to room 666 um, so they're saying, like, lots of people say that, you know, people wanted that room number in particular to be haunted and that's why like these stories have come up mm-hmm. um but what we do know is that the room has been sealed over forever um no current staff members that have been interviewed like know why it's been sealed over but if you go to where room 666 would be mm-hmm. it's just like a sealed over wall but you can kind of see where there might have been a door a frame door. I wonder if they like left all the furniture in there. Like, oh, you're gonna have oh, me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so it says, though no staff member claims to remember why the room was sealed off forever, window washers tell us it was closed up with the furniture still inside, um, almost as if the objects in the room were believed to be cursed. Wow. Because window washers can see into the room from the outside of the building. I'm fascinated. I know. I want to be a window washer at the Congress Hotel. <laughs> um, Let's bust down that wall. Let's see what's in there. <laughs> and to be honest, there were so many more stories I could have chosen. Um, lots of stories of people using the Congress as kind of their like final days. Lots of people checking in and then committing suicide. Mm-hmm. Um and things like that, but I didn't want to focus too much on that. I wanted to go more this, like, spooky apparition-like yeah, like story. But the Congress has a pretty sordid history, um, and people want to hang out there for eternity. I'm not going to be able to stop thinking about that room. I know. <laughs> um, so I, I used a couple different websites to piece together all these stories. I used an article called Four Famous Ghost Stories from the Most haunted hotel in illinois and that was on patch.com and then i found this blog uh called carla sullivan.com all written out in letters dot mm-hmm. wordpress.com like and then the article she wrote was chicago's most haunted the congress hotel slash hh holmes murder castle and then chicagohauntings.com had like a write-up on it as well nice Okay, my next story is a little bit of a shorter one, but it's about a bar called The Hang Up, which I just <laughs> asked Laura. I was like, I want it to be pronounced The Hangy Uppy. <laughs> You'll see when we write it out. It's There are some extra E's in there that she NGs, wanted to pronounce. Yes. <laughs> but The Hang Up. So, this bar kind of got trash-talked in every source that I read. <laughs> so, here's a, here's a description from Eater. Let's face it. Nearly every patron seen a late night dream die on the dance floor at the hang up. 
<laughs> Even passerbys could easily mistake those late night drunken patrons waiting in line for zombies. Oh my god. Like goodness. they talked a lot about the the kind of person that went here and the the kind of place it was. It it just seems like it's a dive bar. It's a very divey kind of trashy bar. It is located at 14 West Elm Street and they describe themselves as Chicago's best dive bar. Uh, and they boast to be one of the only bars in the area that stays open until 4 a.m., 5 a.m. on Saturdays. Their website says, looking to dance the night away? Join us and all of your new Chicago friends at Hang Up, Russian Division's After Hours Bar, where everyone finishes the night. So, <laughs> so you don't start at the Hang Up. No, <laughs> you go there when you're trashed, I guess, which is why. It's... When every other bar closes, yeah. that's where you go. Yep. So, before it became the after-hours dance spot that it is today, the location was a speakeasy during Prohibition. And the bar is reported to be haunted by a woman who was murdered at the speakeasy. I couldn't find any information on who murdered her, why she was murdered. Everywhere it just said a woman murdered during Prohibition. Uh, she is known to drop ashtrays onto the floor because she doesn't like smoking, uh, open the taps on beer kegs, overturn chairs, and turn the sink on in the woman's bathroom so that it floods. Uh, the Chicago Bar Project found a post by a waitress who worked at the hang-up who claims that the woman's toilet would flush unexpectedly, that glass could be heard shattering but never found, and that unknown voices would call your name from behind you and doors would become unlocked without explanation. They also spoke to another employee who claims to see, have seen a female ghost that looks like a lady from when the bar was called Sully's in the 1960s, which according to the Post attracted a dressy pre and post theater crowd. And they believe that it's a ghost from that time period because she wore a big hat, which is what women used to wear to the theater back then apparently. Uh, and he did say that the ghost only appears before the bar opens and after they close, which seems suspicious to me. Yeah. Like, no she, patron ever sees it. It's just... just she only fucks with employees. Yeah. <laughs> um, according to the Chicago Tribune article that I read, a doorman at the bar once witnessed a woman in white climbing the stairs 40 minutes after the bar closed. Uh, another story is that the bar owner's wife claims that after hearing noises in an empty bathroom, she and others witnessed a glass flying across the bar top. Uh, and the bar manager once heard the click clacking of high heels along the bar floor late at night, only to find that no one was there. Ooh. So just a lot of like these random little... But there's no details on like how she got no. murdered? No, I couldn't find anything anywhere. And it seems a little suspicious to me that like it's only the employees that say that it's haunted. Yeah. But, uh... But apparently it is. And apparently if you need a spot to go to after all the other bars shut down, you can check out the hang-up. That's so funny because I feel like I found another story that was very similar. Uh-huh. And it was like, I didn't, I ended up not doing a whole write-up on it, but it was like, woman murdered with axe. Yeah. And, but I was like, well, I want that story. Where's I know. <laughs> I want I was like, I want to know why this woman was murdered in the speakeasy during Prohibition. But I checked, like, tons of sources, even, like, weird links that may have been viruses, and I couldn't find anything. <laughs> um, so the sources that I could find on this bar were the Chicago Bar Project, which you had cited in one of your stories, uh, 
in Eat, the Eater article that I quoted was Drinking with Spirits, Your Guide to Chicago's Haunted Bars and Restaurants. And then the Chicago Tribune article that I used was called Ghost Hunting with Zach Baggins uh, by Adam Luca, Luca. I'm not sure if I said that last name right. But that whole article was like basically this guy went and tried to do like seances and stuff at the hang up and he claims that it is haunted, but. Okay. That's it. It's a quick one. It is a quick one. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna keep going cause I have a, a quick one as well. My okay. last story uh, is a bar called Chet's Melody Lounge. Okay. So Chet's is located just southwest of Chicago, and it is across the street from Resurrection Cemetery. Chet's is a pretty classic, regular hometown bar, hmm. but they do have one unusual tradition. Every Sunday, the staff leaves a Bloody Mary at the end of the bar for their ghost. That's so cute. Yes. Now, the ghost's name is Resurrection Mary. <laughs> Okay. Bloody Mary makes sense. Yes. And she has haunted this stretch of Archer Avenue where Chet's Melody Lounge is located since the 1930s. Um, and how, how the story goes is that Mary, who was a young woman at the time, was spending an evening dancing with her boyfriend at the O'Henry Ballroom, which is located a little bit down the road from Chet's okay. Lounge and the cemetery. And at some point during the evening, Mary and her boyfriend got into an argument and Mary stormed out of the ballroom. So she leaves and she starts walking up Archer Avenue and she hadn't gotten very far when she was struck and killed by a hit and run driver. Uh, the driver left the scene, was never identified, no one was ever blamed, or not blamed, mm -hmm. no one was ever like, caught for her killing okay. um, and her parents obviously distraught buried her right there at resurrection ceremony because or ceremony my goodness <laughs> her parents obviously distraught buried her at resurrection cemetery because she had died like in front of the cemetery right um so since the 1930s it is said that several men driving northeast along archer avenue have reported picking up a young female hitchhiker mm -hmm. they say the young woman is dressed somewhat formally in a white party dress and is said to have light blonde hair and blue eyes uh in some reports she has on like a thin shawl she has dancing shoes she's carrying a small purse but everyone says that she's often pretty quiet and she says that, you know, she just needs a ride home. And as they go down Archer Avenue, once they get near Resurrection Cemetery, she asks the driver to stop and she gets out of the car. And then when they turn around, she's gone. Creepy. Yes. Uh, I'm like getting goosebumps just and I, and I, I read this story twice today um, and so she just disappears mm -hmm. whether it's into the cemetery or just like they look away and they look and she's not there so people often wonder why Chet's the bar like honors her because she didn't die in the bar right. or anything but it's because so many people then kind of distraught by this ghost vanishing, this girl vanishing, often pull into chats and ask questions 
I mean, about I, the young girl. I'd want, I want, I would want a drink too. Yeah. So, <laughs> so people will come in and say, um, it's been people who have just been like, hey, I picked up this girl last week. Have you like, is she a regular? She uh -huh. like, got out here. Yeah. Um, taxi drivers have stopped and been like, this girl got out of my car and didn't pay her fare. Um, like all of these very bizarre, like multiple people and everyone says it's a young woman with blonde hair in a white dress. Um, and so the bar always leaves a Bloody Mary for her, even though she like doesn't drink it. Yeah. They just do it like in her honor. Um, there's also been like one or two cases where people think they've actually run someone over Ooh. and then when they <laughs> get out, there's no one there. <laughs> But like, don't like that. I know. So in popular, like pop culture, they've actually recently made three different films titled Resurrection Mary based on this ghost. Oh, wow. Um, there was one in 2002, one in 2005, and one in 2007. However, all three films make her very like sinister and vengeful. Mm -hmm. And almost none of the reports report that. She just like asks for a ride home mm -hmm. and when she gets to the cemetery gets out because that's her home yeah uh and that's resurrection mary who lives in resurrection cemetery there was actually a supernatural episode with a ghost like that that would that would ask to be taken home but it was also a vengeful thing where they would like kill them i think the ghost would kill the person oh well it's not resurrection mary style no and I only found one source for Resurrection Mary. Okay. The people source. Of course. It's funny because I actually, it was listed on a different website, which I, I actually should mention. So I found this website, the Chicago Bar Project that we have mentioned. Mm -hmm. They had a great list of like all the haunted bars. So like I know we both used it. Yeah. But when I clicked on their link for Resurrection Mary, they take me to a, a website that doesn't work anymore. So then when I had to, like, look up her story, Wikipedia was the best source. She has her own page. She's important. Yes. Okay, so my last bar came up on basically every single list I looked at about haunted bars in Chicago. Or haunted places in Chicago, even. Not just bars. Uh, so I knew that it had to have some good, some good ghosts. Uh, and it is called the Red Lion Pub. So a little bit of background information before we get to the ghost. The Red Line Pub is located at 2446 North Lincoln Avenue and was modeled and named after British pubs because apparently Red Lion is a common name for pubs in England. Uh, it opened on November 16th, 1984, uh, and it was opened by a man named John Cordwell. Formerly, the bar had been called Dirty Dan's Western Saloon, <laughs> and it was apparently not in the best condition. In fact, I, I believe what I read was that it was rat infested, so dirty indeed, yes. appropriately named. Uh, the original building, building had been erected back in 1882, so it did have a lot of years on it, uh, and Cordwell did a massive renovation. He added a dark oak planked bar and Tudor-style beams to give it the real feel of like a British pub. Um, and it's important to note that the original building that John worked on has since been torn down and a new building was constructed in its place. It's still the Red Lion Pub. Uh, it reopened in 2014 and it's now owned by Colin Cordwell, who is John's son. 
He tore down his dad's bar to and rebuild. rebuild it. Yeah. Oh, that is. And bad. it was a building from 1882. I mean, maybe it had some kind of structural issues. I don't know, but I don't know. If it didn't, that was a dick move. <laughs> <laughs> so he kept the like dark bar top and the wooden beams of in the style of the original building. He also added bookshelves throughout, which are full of books about British history and literature, uh, which sounds lovely because I love a bar with some good books in it. Yeah, I would hang out there. Uh, but I did want to note that, that there was a change of building because some of these stories that I'm going to tell are stories that were from the original structure. I mean, the ghost might still be there, but, but they are from the original structure. So... It's also worth noting that the Red Lion is actually located across the street from the theater where John, John Dillinger was ambushed and killed by federal agents. Uh, some people say that he may haunt the pub because apparently the pub used to be a fruit stand where Don, John Dillinger would stop and get fruit before going to the theater. But, like, I couldn't find much beyond that statement. And honestly, why would he haunt the former fruit stand? Right. I would think he'd haunt the theater across the street. Yeah. By the way, that's another Chicagoan story that I sub I tried really hard. She did. <laughs> she did try really hard to get to John Dillinger in there. To get it into season two and we just couldn't make it work. But no. that's a story I wanted to I'm gonna start another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not gonna stop this one, but I'm just gonna just like famous Americans I wanna talk to people about. <laughs> people I wanna talk about. So the bar is actually really pretty. Like, I looked at pictures of it, and it's beautiful. You know, the wood everywhere. Let's go. I, I want to go there, but I don't think that you will agree to go with me after the stories I tell. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, the red line is actually believed to be haunted by several different ghosts uh, after many odd encounters and a lot of sightings were reported. So, one ghost is a man who appears to be wearing cowboy clothes. He's often seen walking along the main bar. We're fine so far, right? Yeah. Cowboy. Cowboy. Uh, The original owner, John Cordwell, is also believed to haunt the bar. Well, yeah, his son tore it down. (laughs) Haunted, too. He's pissed. (laughs) He's an angry spirit. Um, And then a gentleman with blonde hair and a man in a black hat... Some people say that the man in the black hat was murdered by the man with the blonde hair, but I couldn't find why they said that. Uh, There's also a woman in 1920s attire and a little ghost girl who wanders around the Red Lion pub looking for something. We don't know what. Okay. Lots of friends. Yes. Then there's a female ghost whose presence you can sense because the air will become unnaturally still and cold when she's nearby. And also, the scent of lavender will suddenly become overwhelming. Interesting. She's called the Lavender Woman. Mm-hmm. Aptly <laughs> named. Uh, then Time Out talked about a ghost of a woman named Shannon, who they say is a woman who alleged, allegedly died of measles in 1959, back when the upper floors were apartments. Uh, she likes to topple books from shelves, interfere with the sound system, and open latched windows. Another source said that the woman in the 1920s clothing was named Shannon. So I just want to flag here that there are a lot of different stories and inconsistencies among all the different sources I read. Uh, But the general stories kind of stayed the same, especially for this one ghost who is by far the creepiest of the ghosts. 
This is the one that I won't go. This is the one that you will not like. Okay. So she's a female ghost. Some people have said that she is the lavender woman who brings the scent of lavender with her. Others say that she's Shannon from either the 1950s or 20s. I don't know. Others just leave her unnamed. But she can be found on the second floor and specifically the woman's bathroom because apparently female ghosts really like women's bathrooms. I was going to say, you told a story last yes. year. And another story earlier, I think, was it the hangout? The, the, the hangy yuppie. <laughs> <laughs> Where a ghost is turning on the water in the woman's bathroom. Anyway. Uh, it said that when women go to use the bathroom, they'll get locked into one specific stall. Nope. The last one. Nope. And no matter how hard they try to get out, they can't. Nope. Some women have been stuck in there for 15 to 20 minutes if no one hears their calls for help. Suddenly, the door will pop open with a supernatural force and let them out. Mm-hmm. After 15 to 20 minutes of being stuck with a ghost. So if we go to Chicago and we go to this bar, I'm wearing diapers. <laughs> <laughs> She's not done with the bathroom yet. Oh. So. I'm, well, I'm definitely wearing diapers then. <laughs> There are also reports of people who find that they can't open the door to the bathroom at all, even if they have a key or, like, push really hard against it. They'll hear a woman shrieking and crying within the bathroom until suddenly the shrieking will stop and the bathroom door will swing open only for them to find that the bathroom is completely empty. So here's a description of one of those encounters. There was one time that a bartender was doing some office business out at the bar when he heard loud hysterical shrieking coming from the bathroom. Thinking that someone had gotten locked in again, because as we know, women get locked in that bathroom, he went to see if he could help. The cries just got louder as he tried to calm the woman down and ram open the door. The door remained solidly locked and even as he tried to force it, it just wouldn't budge. And the screaming inside was getting more hysterical. And then suddenly on one of his full weight pushes, the door swung open easily, crashing against the wall. The screaming silenced abruptly, and well, you guessed it, there was no one inside. Nope. Oh, well, I'm just not gonna go to the bathroom. <laughs> I'm gonna go hang out with the cowboy downstairs. Well, uh, the bathroom is not the only place that this woman haunts. Well, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> she is also known to knock food out of servers' hands. And after hours, she will often rearrange the furniture, sometimes pushing all of the bar stools and the chairs into the center of the room for employees to find. One former employee said, many times as I sat downstairs having a shift drink and doing my checkout, I would hear the sound of furniture being moved. The scraping across the floor was unmistakable. The first time I went back up thinking maybe another server was arranging and I discovered the chairs and stools pushed helter skelter into the middle of the floor. But of course, it was the end of the night. I was the only one there. Dun, dun, dun. So weird. Yes. Uh, it is also said that some people have described a slight choking pressure on their throats when they're in the presence of this particular ghost. So she doesn't seem to be a happy ghost. Uh, one last story that I got from a YouTube video where good old Colin, who tore down his dad's original bar, is speaking to a woman from Chicago's Best. He talks about a woman who came into the bar 25 years ago, although I think this was in 2016, so 27 years ago, and asked to look upstairs because her aunt used to live there. 2016 was four years ago. Oh my god, <laughs> why did I just do that here, Dad? Oh my god. Guys, I'm losing my mind. 
29 <laughs> years ago. 29 like, years ago. <laughs> years ago she asked to go look at the upstairs because as i said they used to be apartments and she says that her aunt used to live there once she went upstairs she told colin that her cousin had died there and colin pointed to a specific spot and asked if that's where it happened when she confirmed he said he knew it was that spot because there's a cold spot that always rises from that exact area creepy so I'm not sure if this woman was supposed to be Shannon, who Time Out said was a woman that died uh, upstairs in, in the apartment, but either way, it's a weird a weird little story. Yeah. Uh, but I'm mostly scared of the woman in, in the bathroom, which the first source I read said was the lavender woman. So like the thought of like smelling lavender and then being trapped in a stall. That's, that's where <laughs> being trapped in a bathroom stall. Cause there's like nothing more terrifying than when you think you're trapped somewhere. Like yeah. you can't open a door. Can you imagine the women that were stuck in there for like 20 minutes, like screaming for help? No one comes. No, <laughs> no thanks. I'm wearing diapers. It's like, <laughs> I, I remember this story last year. It was the place with the hurricanes is Pat O'Brien's. Yes. It's the bathroom upstairs. And it was a very similar thing. Like, you would get trapped up there or something. Yeah, and then hear a woman, like, laughing or... Yeah. And this time, in this case, it's shrieking and crying, which is terrifying. I mean, no. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not peeing. Yeah. So that seems to be the bar's, like, most volatile ghost. But um, no, one, no one that I found has actually been hurt. Just, you know, mental trauma. <laughs> okay. Uh, so my sources were a really great article from Chicago Now by a former employee, Kim Z. Dale, called Haunted Chicago, Remembering a Ghost of the Red Lion Pub, and that was where I got a lot of information about the woman in the bathroom. Uh, and then I also, and that one, sorry, that one was written before the bar was torn down and reopened. Uh, and then I also read a blog post about the Red Lion Pub on WindyCityGhost.com and a Time, Ar Time Out article called The Most Haunted Spots in Chicago. Uh, and then, of course, I also referenced that YouTube video that I watched from Chicago's Best. But that is the Red Lion Pub that has the creepiest bathroom yeah. in Chicago. So, I mean, Vanessa and I have been talking about going and visiting Chicago, A, because we've mentioned a lot of places in season two. Mm-hmm. And then reading some of these ghost stories, like, I do want to go and see some of these places. But, like, mm, not going to the bathroom at the Red Lion Pub. Yeah, <laughs> like, you'll go to a bar across the street. Yeah. And <laughs> use the bathroom if you really have to go. Mm. Uh, you don't want to stay, I'm guessing, in the room in the Congress Hotel. That's well, no. the one that you can the one that you can stay in. Four forty one. No, yeah, yeah. absolutely. You can stay in four forty one. I'll stay in four forty three next door. I say we take the wall down to room six six six. See what's going on in there. You just tunnel down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I feel like everywhere else was pretty good. Like I feel like we we could go to the other the bars. Let's drive by see if we can pick up Resurrection Mary. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing. There were so many places. I mean, Chicago has such a history that you know we've talked a lot about all the tours we want to go on mm -hmm. so i'm sure if we go and we do a ghost tour or a haunted pub tour there's probably even 
more 10, 20, 30 yeah. more stories we could have told. But I like this tradition of haunted bars. For sure. It's on gonna, Halloween. It's going to happen every year as long as we do this podcast. Yes. Um, so we hope you have a great Halloween. Yeah, we hope you have a spooky Halloween. Yes, just be safe. Social distance. Yes. Turn your mask into part of your costume. Yeah. Make it a thing. Yeah. And uh, I guess we'll see you next week when we get back to to the Chicago outfit and our stories on Notorious Life of Al Capone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers.